Well, if I'm being totally honest, if I had a pro wrestling entrance theme song, it would be this one. I'm Alan Gerding, and this is the Tuesday Night Podcast, the only podcast in all the internets and worlds about the stories we make while playing the games we love on, around, and even under the gaming table. What kind of gaming table? I'm talking board games, card games, tabletop games, all those games that have an analog version to them where it requires your friends, whether they're ugly or pretty, sitting across from you and playing. But on this episode, I have a stranger as a guest, a person I never met before in my life, Paul Laporte. Hey, Alan, how's it going? It is going well. Thank you so much for asking. You're a gentleman, sir. But the reason I have you on this episode isn't because you're a gentleman. <laughs> oh, no. The reason you're on is because you designed, created, published a game by the name of Book It, the pro wrestling promoter card game. Yeah, woo. And so you're the designer and publisher, and you did a Kickstarter campaign last year, correct? Am I correct in saying that, sir? Yes. Yep, April of 2018, and it's, it's almost about a little over a year to almost to the date. It was early May that it was uh, the campaign ended. We got fully funded about two weeks after launch. Congratulations on a successful Kickstarter, sir. Have you fulfilled all your promises? Did everyone get their copy? Everybody has gotten their copies of their game, and they have been playing them for about three weeks now. Paul, it's story time. How'd you get into this whole game design publishing on your own on Kickstarter? Tell me the story. Well, I've I've been someone who's been interested and involved in games in general all my life. I think I started off like a lot of other people where you kind of got in on the video game side of things. And then as I got older, I got more interested. And obviously I had that phase where I played Magic the Gathering when I was, you know, in my teens. My first job was actually at a game and hobby shop when I was 16 years old. I was Ooh. making... 625 an hour under the table, but the important thing was that I got to buy everything at cost. So I got to buy uh, a lot of role-playing books and board games and stuff really cheaply. Um, I've been uh, involved in playing tabletop role-playing games and running tabletop RPGs since I was 12 years old. So I I've played poker semi-professionally for like a year. So games are just really kind of ingrained in my life. It just got to the point where I decided that I wanted to try my hand at making one of my own. I, I threw out in front of some of my friends on a camping trip that we all had, and they thought it was really cool. And then I kind of just developed from there, and I decided, like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually try and put this out there and see if this is something that people would be interested in playing. And and it went over really well. Oh, what? Are you messing with me? This is your first and only game that you ever designed from all of time? This is my one and only official game. I've probably done a lot of developing, like, if I was running a tabletop role-playing game and I needed a system or I needed to modify that, I would do things in that way. But as far as actually making board game, card game, completely from the ground up that kind of stands on its own two legs, yeah, it's my first time. Hmm, <laughs> that's interesting because I myself got my start with role-playing games. 
I was frustrated with Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay's limitations, or I should say my players were. So I made some modifications, and we playtested my own roleplaying game for years, tweaking it here, tweaking it there. A lot of work, man. But we're not here to talk about me, no sir. We're here to talk about you and your game, Book It! The Pro Wrestling Promoter Card Game. So, let's have it. What's it all about? So, Book It is a game where you are, it's, it's almost a, a business game, <laughs> despite, the, despite the theme. You are the owner of a professional wrestling promotion. Each of the players is running their own company. The game split up into over six turns, and you start off the game by selecting what style of professional wrestling you want your company to have its namesake. So playing this game, you're not some dynamic tag team wrestlers. No, you're the company like WCW back in the day when it was against the WWF. Now they both have joined together, and now they're WWE. But that's what you mean, not people. You are the wrestling circuit. Yeah, and, and the reason for that is because talking about being involved in games and stuff, that being ingrained in my DNA, pro wrestling is another thing that's ingrained into my DNA because I've been involved with smaller companies and I have a lot of friends who are independent professional wrestlers and I've been involved in that world for like a decade. When you're involved in that world, you know, all the other games out there that have pro wrestling as a theme, it's you're a wrestler and I'm a wrestler and we're trying to punch and kick each other and and, and win a match. But when you're involved in the inside of professional wrestling, you you know that pro wrestling, the act is not competitive, it's cooperative. So I thought to myself, well, what is competitive in professional wrestling? And that is the competition between different promotions in, in different territories throughout the world. And that's where you get to be really dramatic and really cutthroat. And there's a saying when you get on the inside that the real world is more dramatic than professional wrestling because you see just the, these Machiavellian, Shakespearean backstabbings and all of these things that have taken place. They take place in that kind of business side of the world or in that behind the scenes area. So I wanted a game that kind of captured that flavor of I'm trying to make the most successful company and I am trying to build myself up while simultaneously trying to keep my competitors at bay and maybe if I if I really want to actively try and tear them down. Man, that really takes me back to the early 2000s when you did have that business rivalry between the WWF and the WCW, which had like the new order and other wrestlers and you'd see some wrestlers jump ship. Like, there was the big show that was on WCW and then jumped to WW... No, wait. He was he was the giant in WCW, if I remember correctly, it's, and he went to the WWF. It's, really, it's, it's really funny to watch you flounder, because I know exactly what you're talking about, and I know the entire history of it. So you're talking about uh, the giant. He was the giant in WCW, and then he uh, joined the WWF as the big show. Well, he evolved into the big show. There was a couple names in between then and now, but that's where he became. Really? Yeah. Man, I didn't even know about any of the other names. Yeah, well, he was going by his real name, Paul White, for a little bit. Then there was like a couple other th amalgamations of those things, and then he evolved into that. I I have this weird um, encyclopedic brain for things professional wrestling, so I can pretty much tell you anything that's happened in the last 25 years or so. So that's a whole other rabbit hole. So you know the whole controversy of how pro wrestlers are independent contractors yes. totally being taken advantage of, and how... 
Vince McMahon is considered by so many people to be the devil incarnate. And the real life Vince McMahon is worse than the the way he's portrayed on television. Oh, yes, I am intrinsically aware with the shady business practices going back for since the the 1980s of Vince McMahon and and really at this point you know WWE which is really the obviously the biggest company in the world that everybody knows they are like any other multi-billion dollar corporation they are not exactly too concerned about anything other than lining their shareholders pockets so again I could go in a completely we could go five hours on that pretty easy <laughs> but this is the part that I'm loving so in the game book it you are playing the part of Vince McMahon. Yeah, it's really a, a lot smaller scale than that. You are, you know, what Vince McMahon was 40 years ago. You are just starting. You are just trying to establish yourself and become a, a large company. And when you work on that level, you are really going from month to month, from show to show. And that's why in, in my game, Book It is a deck building game predominantly you are buying wrestlers from a kind of a marketplace of hey here's the people who are available here's who I want to appear on my event and then you are putting them on your show but after you put them on your show they kind of go back to that general pool of wrestlers because they are at this level independent contractors when you pay a guy to show up he's only there for a month he's not there every month he has other shows he has to go to he has other things he has to do and he might appear for your competitor the next month because you don't have those multi-million dollar contracts to sign you are just trying to get by and, and build yourself from month to month as time goes by so that is is the thing of it is that you are trying to get the people you can right now to bolster yourself up so you can kind of continually and steadily grow your resources so well. This isn't a traditional deck building game where your deck is continually getting fatter and fatter, but your starting resources at the beginning of each turn are greater and greater, so you have more to work with at the beginning of each round. It sounds like so much fun to design all these different wrestlers on this deck building game. How many different wrestlers do you have and how does that work? So there is a, a general pool of 60 wrestlers. There's 60 different wrestlers in that marketplace. So when you play a guy on your show, at the end of that turn, he is going to go back to that marketplace unless you play a card that will allow him to come back for the next one, that he'll just go back to your pool of wrestlers as opposed to the general pool. But unless you have something like that, once you play a person on your show, they'll make you their money, your reputation will go up for them being there, but then they go back to that general community so they might show up next turn they may never show up again depending on how the deck is shuffled and how the market's laid out okay well if we compare this to the classic de facto deck building game dominion what is the currency because in dominion you have copper silver gold you upgrade it to platinum and that is what gets you these cards what buys you these wrestlers in Book It. In Book It, the currency is money, but instead of the way Dominion works where the money is individual cards that you will draw and play, you have a separate pool of cardboard money tokens that you have sitting in front of you. 
You play the wrestlers, you lay out a show. Each show has five matches, and each match has two wrestlers on it. So you're going to have about 10 wrestlers overall on your show. Depending on how famous those wrestlers are, so their star power, you will make money based off of that. How good of a wrestler they are, or what we call their work rate, that determines on how good your show actually was. And that will increase your reputation, which is basically like your victory points for the game. And then at the end of six turns, the player with the highest reputation reputation wins. Pretty clever, Paul. Most deck building games have a use it or lose it mechanic, where if you don't spend the cards in your hand, it's gone. But what you're saying is, if you don't spend your money, you get to bank it from round to round in the form of tokens. That's what I'm hearing? Am I crazy? No, so you can definitely bank it, and there's definitely reasons to, because... At the end of the game, the player with the highest reputation wins, but also at the end of the game, you get reputation for however much money you have left. And this is meant to represent the idea that you can put on great wrestling shows all day, but ultimately the company that makes the most money, a lot of people see that as being the best company. So you can actually save money at the end. And more so, even with the wrestlers, if you spend money to have a wrestler appear on your show, he goes into your deck of cards. If you don't play him right away, he stays there. They stay there in that deck until you actually do. So you can save a person for next turn if you think that they're going to be more beneficial for you. Or if you really mm -hmm. want to be competitive, you can buy a wrestler that you know somebody else wants and just hold on to them forever and never play them. And you basically have them locked down. So there's a lot of different strategies that you can develop. Do I want to make a lot of money? Do I want my reputation to be really high? Do I want to spend it all every turn so I can continually put on great shows? Do I want to bank some so I have money at the end and that'll increase my reputation? I really tried to make there be as many strategies as possible so you could win in a lot of different ways. Sold. So where do I go to get a hold of Book It, the pro wrestling promoter card game? So right now you can go to our website, which is www.foamhammergames.com, and you can buy it there. Uh, we are shipping worldwide. If you are looking to just try it out, we do also have versions available on Tabletop Simulator through Steam uh, and on Tabletopia as well, and those are both free, so you can check those out if you want to try out the game beforehand or if you want to play with people across the internet. Uh, the game is one to four players, so you can play it by yourself if you want. I do have a lot of people who like to play a, like a solitaire version of it and just try and get like a high score for the highest reputation that they can. I try and give you as many opportunities and different ways to play it as possible. I think it's time we get into the story of you and pro wrestling. You alluded to in the past that you have a past steeped in pro wrestling in real life, not just as a fanboy, but as an active participant. What is the scoop? You a pro wrestler? You know pro wrestlers? What's going on? So uh, I have friends who are uh, independent wrestlers who have worked usually regional. I'm in the Northeast. Um, so mostly people who have... Where are you at? Where do you live? Uh, I live in upstate New York. It's about an... I'm in Utica, about an hour east of Syracuse. I've never been. Go on. No problem. So I have friends who work at the regional level. Um, I work myself for two independent companies. There's one right out of here in the Utica area. I work for one in the Western Massachusetts area as well. And I do uh, commentary, the talking for the video, uh, the uh, YouTube videos for one company. And then another one I write for and I play a character. I am the general manager of the company. And I've recently been promoted to a member of the board of directors in the, in the storylines and everything. So I have friends who are involved and I'm in involved myself. One of my first 
gigs in independent wrestling. I work for a company in Montreal called IWS, and there's a couple wrestlers from there. One of them is uh, someone by the name of Kevin Owens, who is a former WWE champion now at this point. He has gone on to some really amazing and incredible things. Sami Zayn is another one there who I worked with pretty regularly or who's at those shows. So I've seen people who are just starting off, I've seen people who have gone on to literally the highest stages you can go to, and it's it's a really fascinating world to be involved in, for sure. My goodness. So, are you a wrestler yourself going into the ring, or are you just a background character, supporting character, like Paul Bearer for The Undertaker? I am I am definitely a supporting character. I have taken I have taken exactly two bumps is is what wrestlers call them in my life. The first one I was I was punched by a wrestler in like 2005. I took one recently where I was uh, attacked by one of the wrestlers and slammed. Those are plenty for me. I will I will leave that up to to my friends and my colleagues. The physical toll that that puts on a person's body it's something that you always hear, but until you experience it, you can't really wrap your head around it. Oh, man. I really just want to quiz you about pro wrestling. Go for it. What? Really? <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm going to go for this then. Oh, round one, quizzing your knowledge of pro wrestling. Whatever happened to Paul Bearer? Uh, Paul Bearer, uh, the, the actual person, passed away some years ago, unfortunately. Did he just disappear from the show, or did they incorporate it into a story? He had left the he had left uh, wrestling some time before that. It was actually so oh God. This I feel like this is probably about ten years or so ago now. They actually did a really over the top thing where they killed Paul Bearer. They buried him alive in cement. I thought you and I agreed that you would do the right thing. And it's obvious to me, sir, that you care about Paul Bearer. So since you won't do the right thing, I guess I'll have to do the right thing. Oh my God. Paul Heyman, just stop him, take him. Oh, what the hell? What the hell was that? An Undertaker. Hold on, this is getting weird, man. That is how it should be. Thirteen years, right there, baby. The Undertaker bowing not only not to the urn, but to Paul Bearer, his longtime confidant, his longtime friend, Paul Bearer. Let's get him out of that cement there. All that heavy weight on that man's chest, on Paul Bearer's chest. Paul, I have no other choice. Rest in peace. Oh, oh my God. No, no, no. no. Undertaker. What are you doing? What the hell is he doing? What the hell? Undertaker pulled the lever. What? What are you doing? They they literally like uh, murdered a man on on national television. Some years later, he came back though, and they never really explained it. But they don't really need to because it's a supernatural gimmick anyway. So who cares? Um, but uh, then he would just make kind of sporadic minor appearances here and there. But he passed away, I think, probably about five or so years ago at this point. Paul, some of these questions I want to ask you are from the days when I used to watch pro wrestling when I was a kid, and I think I'm older than you, so how far back do you know your pro wrestling goods? I just turned 34. 
But my birthday is, again, just born into this sort of thing. I was born two days before the first WrestleMania was held on March 29th, 1985. And I, I literally can't remember a time I haven't been watching it. My dad used to watch it, so I started watching it then. So I've seen things firsthand from 1988 through now, but I also have a... That's good enough for me to test you with my knowledge. Yeah, I have a pretty good idea of the history too, so... <laughs> Round two, Paul. Round two. One of my most memorable viewings of pro wrestling was when Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage, oh yeah, broke up. They were a great tag team, but then they parted ways. Why, Paul? What caused the breakup between Hulk Hogan and Macho Man? The mega powers explode. Hulk Hogan had lust in his heart. He was looking at Miss Elizabeth with them yes, sheen eyes. So good. So good. Yes. If I remember correctly, Miss Elizabeth was Macho Man Randy Savage's woman, and she was in trouble. And Hulk Hogan went to rescue her while Macho Man was getting his ass kicked in the ring. So that's a double yeah. whammy, brother. The Hulkster leaves Macho Man to get his ass beat in the ring to go save Miss Elizabeth, who isn't even his girlfriend. That's his partner's girl, man. Yes. You're wrong, man. You're wrong. You're out of line. You're out you're out of line! Well, let me tell you why you're out of line. You got jealous eyes right there. Right there, you're looking at me with jealous eyes. Because you're a former champion. Hulkamania is just uh, in the win. I was carrying you! I'm not number three in the Mega Powers. I'm number one. You guys got me in the backseat. You're way out of line. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait a minute, hold on. No, just slow down, man. Hold on, slow down. Wait a minute. No, you're way out of line. No, man to man, you never asked me for a title shot. You know why? You know why, Elizabeth? Because you can't beat me. You're wrong. No, you can't. Man, don't. Touch me, you can't beat me. But I'm gonna tell you something right now. Those eyes right there, those eyes, lust Elizabeth. You understand that? You got my face, you got lust for Elizabeth right there. And I'm gonna tell you, it makes me sick. I can't even stay to look at you. Very nice, sir. Thank you. And what about you, sir? What is your favorite memory of the WWF, now known as the WWE? You know, it's it's tough because I've seen so much and it's it's just something that I've I've paid attention to for so long. Um if we're if we're disqualifying any of the real world deaths, um unfortunately there have been a lot of those. Right. Probably the thing that had the biggest impact, and I think this is gonna be for a lot of people, probably any fans who are listening to this who who were watching in the 90s, uh mankind being thrown off the uh roof of Hell in a Cell. Hell in the cell. Through, uh, through a table by The Undertaker, just because that was so unbelievably dangerous in, in the real world. You know, like, really, oh, yeah. just that was so... You had never seen anything like that for good reason, because it's it's crazy and never should have been done to begin with. But when I was a kid seeing that and going, oh my god, that's something that's completely unreal so for the uninitiated this is a wrestling match that's going on on top of a cage which is how tall two three stories tall these so, guys are so if you go by what ww and the wwf at the time says that they say it's 30 feet it's really probably closer to 20 feet but still that's a long way to fall <laughs> yeah especially to fall that far onto your back yes 
Undertaker in a very precarious position. Ooh. They're fighting on a steel roof of this cell. They use it. That's a steel chair that mankind is using. Oh my using. gosh, look at this, it broke through. The two 300 pounders up there. They're, they're destroying the, the hell in the cell. Undertaker fighting back. He's fighting back. They're right above us, folks. And I don't like it a damn bit. Oh my God. I remember the best injury I ever saw while I was watching WWF. Actually, I think it was a WCW at the time. I don't remember. You would. But it was Sid Vicious mm -hmm. jumping off the first rope. Not even a big jump. And he's wearing these knee-high tie-up boots. And he jumps from the bottom rope. And you just see his legs snap in half. His side of his foot just smacks his knee, just folded like a piece of paper. Oh my goodness, it was ridiculous. Yep, broke his broke his leg. It was a yeah, it was a boot from I think the second rope actually. Jumped off, came down, leg went sideways. That one was pretty bad. That was that was one of those moments where nobody can help but respect these athletes and the danger they put themselves in. The craziest thing was no one was saying anything, and that's how you knew it was serious. Yeah. Because his leg was kicking himself in the knee, and no one was like, Oh my! He's gonna go to the hospital now! They're gonna have to amputate that leg. Good thing he was wearing that boot, so his leg didn't go flying off. No, everyone was as cool as a freaking cucumber. Yeah, and, and that's usually when you can tell that something has gone really wrong, because they will usually turn away from it or downplay it. Um, if something is part of the story, it's it's like a reverse thing. If something's part of the story, they will have very wild and overdramatic reactions. If something is not gone the way it's supposed to, they usually will not reference it at all, or they'll cut away from it. That's it's usually the way you can tell if something is really happening and something is happening that's supposed to be in the terms of the story. All right, Paul, next story time. Because you already told us about your favorite moment in the WWE, the pro of the pro of the pro wrestling circuit. But what's your favorite memory on the inside of these minor circuits? All right. So one of the most memorable ones, I've had a couple memorable ones, and they always tended to happen up in Canada, in Montreal, uh, for the company I worked for, IWS, when I was about 20 years old. Uh, I was doing ring crew and security for them, so I would come and I would help set up the rings, and I would also help during the actual show, kind of usher people around, make sure nothing got too out of hand we were watching a match and in IWS, they like to use a lot of um, hardcore elements to them. A lot of weapons. Um, one of the things that they like to use were light tubes. Fluorescent light tubes are interesting as a, as a weapon because for the most part, while they, they sound great, they look good, they don't do a lot of damage normally. That's why they're a good weapon. That's usually the key for a good wrestling weapon. Sounds loud, looks good, doesn't actually do all that much. But in this one instance, one of the wrestlers had, we call it a light tube cabin. So it's like a square of light tubes and then another one kind of stacked on each other, three or four high. Uh, another wrestler jumped off the top rope, landed on top of those tubes, driving them into the guy below. 
He pins him, one, two, three. As soon as he pins him, the guy on the bottom gets up and crawls over to the ropes, and his arm right around the bicep is spraying blood all over the place. <gasps> my, oh, God. He suffered an artery in his arm. Oh, my goodness, his brachial artery. He's going to die unless someone's going to do something about it. Yes. So one of, the, one of the commentators who was a wrestler jumped up, took his dress shirt off and his belt, and uh, wrapped up his arm, and then we got him to the back. Paramedics are dealing with him. We have him on a stretcher, and I am the biggest guy on the crew. I'm like six foot tall, and this guy was pretty big. So I'm just kind of the one who's like moving him around and helping him, and I have the paramedics who are like screaming at me, but they're doing it in like French, and I don't speak French, but we're in Montreal, so they're telling me, they're like, set, set. I'm like, I don't know what that means. And the promoter's like, he's American. And they're like, lift him up. And I'm like, okay, great. So we get him up, and it's it's funny because, you know, we go through, he, he's okay, he ends up being okay. We get him into the ambulance. We I get assumed him he didn't die because yeah. you said, it's yeah. funny. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, he, told you, I guess he did not die. He, no, he didn't die. Uh, but he, he, not only did he not die, but uh, the next show I saw him at, which was like less than a month later, he was back and he acted like nothing at all happened. Like it was just literally another day at the office for him. Whereas this was one of the most terrifying experiences of my life. I'm watching this man lose like a gallon of blood in front of me and he couldn't have cared less. Uh, That's probably in terms of my personal experience, the most uh, interesting thing I ever had happen. That's incredible. Obviously, I have to do the follow-up question. How did the announcers handle it? Did they turn away and downplay it? Or did they say, look at the freaking blood everywhere? Well, well, because one of them was one of the people who was doing triage on him, uh, they definitely mentioned it. Uh, actually, <laughs> this clip is actually on YouTube. I don't know the best way to search it, but I think if you... Gr- the Green Phantom was the man's name. If you go Green Phantom, IWS injury or or arm like artery all right let's do this i'm gonna look it up right now looking it up iws green phantom injury i believe is what you're gonna be looking at green phantom injury oh oh my all right i'm clicking on this thing Three minutes? Yeah, it's about about a minute. Oh my goodness, there's so much blood. There's so much <laughs> blood, it's everywhere. It's like a laser light show, man. It's everywhere. It's getting on everybody. <laughs> this is bad radio. Parental advisory warning for the... Yeah, this is not good radio because all the video has auditory. It's just people screaming. You can't hear anything. It's it's freaking nuts, man. Oh, man. It's, why, why do we love violence so it's, much? We really do. It's wired into our brains. All right. Enough story time. Let's get into the sponsor spot. Let's you do it. You ready to be a show with me for the GameCrafter.com, Paul? Hell yeah. Sponsors, yay! Thank you for sponsoring us. Send us free stuff or money, and we'll talk about your stuff, but only if we like it. <laughs> Paul, be honest. How familiar are you actually with the GameCrafter? I am quite familiar with the GameCrafter.com, actually. Be- what? When I, uh, when I was making the prototypes for Book It, beyond uh, when I, I guess the first prototypes, I printed them out on my office printer at work. Don't tell them. I hope they don't hear this. Um, but <laughs> then, then when I was ready to actually start showing this off to people, Suckers. sending prototypes out to reviewers before I had the Kickstarter going, I printed those prototypes through the GameCrafter. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that you 
actually had real experience with the GameCrafter.com. Question though, why publish your own game on Kickstarter? Why not go the traditional route of selling the game to an already established publisher? I am a bit of a control freak, so I knew that if... No, that's a great <laughs> answer. That is the answer knew, to that question. I knew that if I took the game to a publishing company that there are certain things that they would want to do with it. Maybe they, we, we want to make it about dragons instead of professional wrestling, or we want to take out this mechanic or put this in. And maybe, you know, this is, this is what they're, they do for a living, but this was really how I wanted my artistic vision of this game to come out. I didn't want to compromise that. So I figured I throw it on Kickstarter. If people want this great, if not, then I'll keep it amongst my friends and go do something else. The reason I asked this question during sponsor spot, there's so many times when people go to the Game Crafter just to get a nice quality prototype to show publishers in hopes that they'll publish it. But once they get it in their hand, they're like, oh, oh, oh this is it. This is my game. It looks professional. I can do this. I can do this. Yeah, and I, I will say that the, the day that my prototypes came in from the game crafter there was definitely an element of that it was oh my god i made this thing that definitely did give me an extra boost to go forward with the kickstarter and even so it helped me for, it really helped me get the kickstarter backed because i was able to show this high quality version of the game to youtubers to people who were interested in buying the game and that went a long way as opposed to just having pieces of paper in card sleeves the game crafter was instrumental in that i will say although i shouldn't say but i'm gonna say I shouldn't. My apologies to those that I'm going to offend because I may offend the individuals who buy me Christmas gifts. Because what I am going to say is when my games show up in the mail from the Game Crafter, I get more excited opening those games than I do almost any Christmas gift I pretty much have ever gotten before in my life. Just because here's the thing I've been working my ass off on. Oh my goodness, it's here and I can touch it. Finally, it's here. Ah! <laughs> Paul, thank you so much for shilling. Absolutely. It's time to bring this episode into a close. You, yes, you, the listeners and knaves alike listening to this right now, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, please write on in podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. We'd love to hear your own pro wrestling stories. What was your favorite pro wrestling moment? Send that on in. Also, smash like, subscribe, send us all the stars in the iTunes reviews. Paul, if we want to get Book It, where do we go? Get that from our website, and that's www.foamhammergames.com. You heard it here. Foam Hammer Games to get your mitts on this deck-building extravaganza game where you get currency that you get to keep between rounds. How can they follow you on social media? Uh, Foam Hammer Games, we're on Twitter. If you go to at Foam Hammer Games, you can follow us there. On Facebook, if you go to uh, facebook.com slash bookitgame, so it's actually the name of the game as opposed to the name of the company, or if you search for Book It Wrestling Card Game on there, you'll be able to find us there. We're on Instagram, same thing, Foam Hammer Games. Definitely follow us all on social media and hop into the Discord. We want to answer questions from people directly and we want to get their feedback as soon as possible. And that's been a really great way to do it. Pretty much if you look for it, you're going to find it. Foam Hammer Games or the name of the game, book it the Pro Wrestling Promoter Card Game. Paul, thank you so much. Thank you so much. No problem. Hi at a blast. And I think with that being said, this episode is... 
finished. Oh, 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 oh,